Hi, Tim here. Before Rachel and I start the episode this week, we wanted to take a minute just to acknowledge the work that you all are doing in the midst of the COVID-19 crisis. I know many of you have transitioned to online church services or creatively scrambling to come up with ways to lead your congregations through these uncharted waters. So first, just thank you for the work that you're doing. Lent and Easter are already super busy times for pastors, and we just want to say bless you for the extra that you're doing to serve your congregations. As you might know, we record these episodes a few weeks ahead of time to give us time to edit them for you, and when we recorded these next few episodes, it was before the coronavirus had affected our lives so dramatically. We wanted to tag on at the beginning here a moment for centering, naming the unfamiliar space that we're in, and to say a prayer for you as you set yourselves toward preparing sermons or other biblical content for your congregations. Hopefully this gives you a bit of spiritual sustenance in the midst of the chaos. In this episode, we spend a few minutes on the word Hosanna, a familiar Palm Sunday refrain that originates in Psalm 118. In light of quarantined life for many of us, those communal shouts and palm wavings may not be possible in the same way, and the word Hosanna takes on a slightly different meaning. Its literal sense is a plea for help, oh save, oh rescue, and don't we need that this Palm Sunday? God rescue us. What we usually lift up as a word of acclamation, a word of praise, is this year a word of intercession and a call to God from a dark place. So, dear God, bless these stewards of your scriptures. Give them rest, courage, hope, and leadership for your people. Save us all. Amen. Okay, dear friends, here's this week's episode. Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast for preachers, teachers, and lovers of the Hebrew Scriptures. I'm Tim McNinch. And I'm Rachel Wren. Well, folks, you did it. You made it through Lent. You've done the hard work of the preaching series, and now you just have a little bitty Holy Week to go through. So congratulations, and we are rooting for you to finish strong. We are bringing you this week kind of the first reading for Palm Passion Sunday. Um, Isaiah 50 is assigned, but we did an episode on Isaiah 50 last year, and so we're bringing you something a little bit different. We're actually going to lean into the psalm, the psalm that's used to talk about Jesus's triumphant entry into Jerusalem. If you'd like to see the Isaiah 50 uh, material, then we would encourage you to head back to last year's episode. But this year, Tim McNinch is going to really open up Psalm 118 for us and how that might be preached on a Palm Sunday. So, Tim, what do you got for us? Yeah, I mean, this this is the psalm for Palm Sunday because uh, when the crowds were ushering Jesus into Jerusalem on that day, at least in the telling of Matthew 21, which is the gospel reading for, for Palm Sunday this year, this is the psalm that they were quoting mm-hmm. when they were shouting out. So I think it would be not only just wise for our study, but it could be really helpful as uh, part of a sermon to dig a little deeper into the psalm to try to make sense of what those crowds were doing and what they were thinking. 
I think that's a great point, especially because those words like hallelujah or hosanna are ones that we've kind of used and adopted without maybe knowing really what the Hebrew is saying there. So I'm guessing you're going to uh, open up to a little bit of that to us this week. Yeah, definitely. Uh, at first, though, we should try to set the context a little bit. If we look at the whole of Psalm 118, uh, it's structured as kind of a liturgical movement of a procession from outside of the temple into the temple into uh, the giving of an offering of thanksgiving. The The core of the, the bigger psalm, verses 5 through 18, which aren't part of the lectionary text, uh, seem to be spoken in the voice of, of the king returning from uh, some battle where he's been victorious and he's sort of saying about how well it went and how God gave the victory. Uh, and it's it's exciting in that it the psalm itself quotes other scripture. It's mm-hmm. quoting Exodus 15, the song of the sea where, where the people had come through the, the sea and God had defeated the Egyptians. You might know that story. Miriam's song, yeah? That's right, that's right. Yeah, nice. And so in a way, this psalm is looking to that as sort of the uh, prototypical divine victory over the enemy and saying that's what God is doing again in, in whatever battle this might have been. And after the, the sort of introductory verses of the psalm, which are in the lectionary reading, the Hodu Ladonai Kitov, give thanks to the Lord for God is good, his, his kindness is everlasting. Then the lectionary jumps to, um, where does it jump? 19, verse 19. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, verse 19. And uh, we find ourselves having processed all the way up to the gate of the temple. And here uh, the, the king basically says, open the gates. Here I mm-hmm. am. I'm here to make my offering to say thanks to God. So open the gates. So, so is this like the, the, the biblical equivalent of open sesame and then what's the password? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, so the king says, open the gates of victory for me that I may enter and praise the Lord. And the gatekeepers say, well, well, hold on. This is the gateway to the Lord. Only the righteous or the victorious shall enter into it. And so then the, all of the momentum sort of stops there. And the king says a prayer. It's a prayer of praise, of thanksgiving. I praise you. You've answered me. You have become my deliverance, which again is quoting Exodus 15. That, In fact, that passage comes up several times in this psalm. And the gatekeepers are happy with that, and they let the king in. And their response is sort of the, the famous part of this psalm, uh, famous in part because it's the, what's quoted in the New Testament on Palm Sunday. It's just chock full of these one-liners. Verses 22 to 23 have the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Verse 24 has this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Verse 25 has the, the famous uh, deliver us, which in Hebrew is hoshiana. Or in Aramaic is Hoshana, or in Greekified Aramaic, Hosanna. <laughs> and then verse 26, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. So um, if I can just take a moment to unpack those statements briefly. Yeah. The first one, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, is, is a, just a sort of apropos way if the king is walking into this architecture to have sort of an architectural metaphor to say about the reversal of fortune, 
that I went out as sort of just a, a lowly warrior and I've come back victorious. Uh, I was a nobody, but God's made me the king. And for the people who are hearing this, sort of a, a nobody people that God has made really central to God's work in the world. All of that sort of captured in that line, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Verse 24, this is the day the Lord has made. When you hear about the day the Lord has made, in, in Hebrew Bible parlance, we always have to think of the day of the Lord. And certainly that's what's in mind here, that for the people of Israel, the day of the Lord, especially sort of in the prophetic imagination, was the day that God would intervene on behalf of the people and bring about their, their rescue, their deliverance. So when the when the king or when the when the people in this in the temple here are saying this is the day the Lord has made they're acknowledging that God has brought about a change God has brought about the victory and even the verb there this is the day the Lord has made you know this is a day that God has accomplished mm, yeah God has acted yeah asa you know God has done this this is what God has done today and it's it's worth uh, being joyful and glad about what God's done and, and in God, as you say. That's great. That's nice. Are there any other kind of big ticket phrases that we should know about? Sure. I mean, I mentioned the Hosanna, which, um, you know, on Palm Sundays in some churches, you're waving branches and saying Hosanna. But it's good to know that that's a, that's a plea for deliverance. And it's in this psalm, it's, it's kind of interesting that it comes after victory that still the people are pleading to God to deliver us. And it's, mm-hmm. in a way, it's it's asking God to continually be the one who upholds them and keeps them out of harm's way. And then uh, the last thing that I would mention is in this sort of, what do I want to call it? The, you know, greatest hits here is yes. in verse 26, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. It's worth thinking about that a bit literally, I think that part of what gives gives the king access to the temple to make this kind of a sacrifice what the reason that the gatekeepers can say you know only the the truly victorious only the righteous can enter here this king comes not to the gate of the temple saying look what i did look what i've accomplished but this king comes in the name of the lord saying god has given me the victory God has answered my call. God has become my deliverance. Therefore, let me enter and make this thanksgiving. So the king comes with humility, attributing success to God alone. So I think that's significant too. Yeah, I really like that. That's beautiful. So this is such a great psalm. I mean, it goes on from there. The procession continues on up to the altar for the Thanksgiving sacrifice. And the, the path there is sort of charted out with waving palm branches. I, I sort of see like the, what, what are those sort of the air traffic control batons? Sort of like, <laughs> this is the way, come this way, leading to the holy space. But all of this, I think, gives us a bit of insight into those crowds in the New Testament reading, when they were ushering Jesus into the city of Jerusalem and on up to the temple, that this was the poem that was in their hearts and on their lips is pretty significant. That procession on Palm Sunday became kind of a reenactment of this procession in this psalm, where Jesus is the one playing the role of the victorious king. 
And so the people were hoping that indeed this would be the day that the Lord had made, a day that they could rejoice and be glad in, that this was going to be the day when God would once again intervene to rescue the people from an empire of oppression. And so they called out, Hoshiana, Hatzlichana, rescue us, prosper us. And by, by proclaiming, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, they were putting themselves, these crowds, in the role of the gatekeepers, saying, this Jesus, this one has the right to enter. This is the one who comes in humility in God's name, not in his own name. So all of that is great and I think would, would preach really well. But at the same time, I think we want to recognize that the hopes that these crowds had in a way, they were right. Jesus was the authorized one. Jesus was the one who embodied the day of the Lord and the, the, their hope for rescue. But it played out in a way that was totally outside of their expectations. Mm-hmm. So my, my advice for preaching this would be to use all of the wonderful sort of antiphonal call and response sort of stuff that's embedded in this psalm. I mean, a preacher could lay out all of the the struggles and, and, you know, metaphorical battles that are before us, the evils in our society and the things in our hearts even that threaten our, our lives and our peace and our security in God, and prompt the congregation to shout out, Hosanna, Hoshiana, rescue us. Or you can, you know, draw attention to the the places where God's good reign is breaking into that darkness. And after each one in this, in this uh, litany, the congregation can shout, this is the day the Lord has made. That would be a really neat uh, thing to do with your prayers of the people for that day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I had that in mind too. You know, if there are heroes of justice, people that are working for good and justice in your community, whether in your church or in the wider community, you can name them and say what they're doing to bring about um, God's goodness in the world. And people can respond, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. All of that really, really works. Uh, but I would, again, just encourage preachers to also highlight uh, the way that the hopes of people on Palm Sunday, Passion Sunday, were met by God in an unexpected way. So even as we move forward in hope, and maybe even as we chant the same things that they chanted on that day, we should be open, learning from uh, from history there, that God sometimes meets those hopes in unexpected and unanticipated ways. And so we can go into Holy Week and beyond with eyes open to the surprises that God might have for us. Oh, Love that. Well, I hope that uh, you all feel as inspired as I do to write a a Palm Sunday sermon right now. I think that there's a lot of really great opportunity for this. And um, thanks for that work, Tim. No problem. Well, preachers, we have an exciting episode for you next week. We are going to have a special guest exegete coming on to talk about the Easter story. So make sure to tune in for that. Uh, And just again, our prayers go with you as you finish up this Lent and, and go through the final sprint of Easter. If you are thinking ahead to what you need to preach after Easter, because I, I, I do need to inform you, you will still need to preach the next week, most likely, unless you need to take vacation. 
head on over to our website. Maybe look at some past episodes or or little heads up. We're going to be doing a psalm series after Lent since it goes into Acts for the first reading. So if you're looking for something a little bit different, join us for preaching on the psalms. Uh, Until next time, I'm Rachel Wren. And I'm Tim McNinch. Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. And also with you. (laughs) 